Well, ladies and gentlemen, crew are here to ensure a safe and enjoyable flight. And please have your attention and please demonstrate the safety features of this Airbus A330 aircraft. Please move personal headsets. All electronic devices... You're listening to Pase Chipotle, the show that will take you to discover the edible treasures of Mexico, episode 23. Welcome to this episode of Paz de Chipotle, the audible companion of Sabor, this is Mexican food, a digital magazine dedicated to exploring the markets, streets, recipes, and traditions that made Mexico an edible paradise. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food history writer, cook, and author. To find more information about the show, please go to pazdechipotle.com. Find the show on Twitter as Chipotle Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the show, now from its current location in Puebla, Mexico, where summer is relentlessly announcing itself and making the case for iced lollies and chilled drinks. It's been quite a busy year for me and the podcast has been on air for one year and two months. And I cannot thank you enough for your support. We've talked about so many topics such as the history of cocoa, ceremonial foods in ancient Mexico, the Day of the Dead, Independence Day, edible insects, tequila, mezcal, the influence of Chinese, British, Austrian and Arab cuisines in Mexico. I have so far 10 guests, including chefs, entrepreneurs, cookery teachers, researchers and bloggers from Mexico, the US and England. And there are many more fantastic stories and fabulous guests to come. If you're interested in being on the show or want to share some ideas, please drop me a message to hello at pazichipotle.com. Find the links on this episode's description. Before we start with today's episode, I want to ask for your support. And this is to help the show reach a bigger global audience. You just need to give Pazichipotle a five-star rating and leave a short review using the podcast app where you're getting this show. It will help the podcast deliver more of the food stories you love and enjoy. Today's episode is very special because it's about supper clubs and it's a topic I've been asked over and over again to talk about, especially because many of my guests, and myself included, have long hosted supper clubs and talked about it on the show. So I prepared a great episode for you and to make things even better, I've also prepared a completely free guide to get you started with your own supper club, understanding what they are, how do they work, and even a checklist to help you plan your first one. You will be able to find and download this guide completely free, straight to your ebook reader from Amazon. That's right, it will be added automatically to your ebook library. So while you listen to this episode, check the description to find the link and download your free Supper Club guide. So let's not keep you waiting any longer. On with the show!
Many of you have heard your friends or seen people on social media raving about supper clubs. You see photos of dreamy venues and beautifully laid tables and stunning strings of neatly plated dishes. Supper clubs have been embraced by celebrity chefs, non-profits, home cooks and entrepreneurs and have become part of an ever-growing global trend that, for once, is actually benefiting from the best things that the free market has to offer. That is, democratizing the possibility for anyone to participate in the food industry, letting people set their own price and dictate their own terms, and more importantly, giving the people a chance to choose from a vast pool of choice. The Supper Club model is a textbook case of business disruption bringing together service providers and customers using social media platforms without the inconvenience of overpaying inflated prices to cover the costs of running a restaurant. So let's start with ABC and find out what on earth is a supper club. There is not much new to the idea of paying people to feed us, but the reasons why we choose to have someone else cook for us are many, and they determine what, when, and how we are willing to pay for it, and we know exactly what to expect in return. Supper clubs are what you get if you strip off the business model of a restaurant. Ask yourself this, what are you actually paying for when you go out to eat? Running a restaurant is really expensive because behind the prices on every menu's item are the added costs of staff payroll, gas and electricity bills, taxes, licensing, laundry, insurance, rent, training, uniforms, maintenance, marketing, and of course, the actual cost of the ingredients of the food they serve. In short, only a small percentage of your bill is actually covering the cost of the food you just ate. Shocking, right? So, what if you take out all the fixed costs of running a brick-and-mortar restaurant? What do you get? Well, in essence, you get cooks and the great food they make. After all, the origins of the catering industry is really someone with cooking skills willing to offer his or her services to people willing to pay for the privilege of being fed. Supper clubs extract the value proposition of the typical restaurant business model, and they build upon it. So what you get is memorable eating or dining experiences at a profitable cost that maximizes the quality of the food offered and gives you a personalized service that keeps customers willing to pay for it time and time again. As it turns out, not only trained chefs can be amazing cooks. For every culinary school graduate, there's literally thousands and thousands of equally passionate and hugely talented self-taught and traditional cooks in the world that have found in the supper club model a perfect opportunity to enter the food industry in a low-risk approach, cutting off the obstacle of owning a restaurant and use their means available to offer theme-based dining experiences to guests that will come to their home or a venue and enjoy a great night in a friendly, 
and relaxed environment, with the added value of personal care and attention of the cook to each and every one of the guests. Did you notice that I use the word guest and not customer? Well, there is a good reason behind it. So let's find out how supper clubs evolved. There is a lot of debate as to where to pin down the actual origins of the modern supper clubs, while some say that they have existed since Roman times, when thanks to word of mouth, travelers shared the knowledge about private homes who will take in guests and feed them for a price. But let's fast forward more than a thousand years, and it turns out that it was around 2008 when the so-called underground or hidden restaurants began making the news. They didn't have a defined name, there was no articulated marketing platform, and it was really mainly through word of mouth that people came to know about such dining experiences. Urban legend has it that it was a handful of Latin American immigrants in London who, after constant praise from their friends and family, they decided to promote a dinner party-like event and they offered menus with classic traditional dishes from their homelands. They prepared their own dining room and welcomed a few guests and charged a reasonable fee in exchange for a soiree of unapologetically delicious food and the extra fun to get acquainted with strangers that, by the end of the evening, they ended up as friends. Fast forward a few years again, and in came the boom of social media enabling us to instantly share with millions what a good idea these so-called underground restaurants were. And in no time, the offer of such experiences spiked, presenting all sorts of cuisines, themes and unorthodox venues, such as rooftops, terraces, barns, alfresco seating, you name it. And before you know it, the name Supper Club was coined which resonates more with the actual nature of the events. As they are not regular, they remain intimate and are subject to menu changes. They can be flexible and can adapt to cater for special requirements and dietary needs. And they also became more and more niche. And each cook is not only free, but even expected to have a signature style or brand to his or her menus, ambience, location and overall experience. It was in London, England, where supper clubs first became significantly popular and rapidly embraced as a trendy favorite of the middle class. And there's many reasons to explain why that happened. And that is because in a supper club you can experience world foods without traveling, meeting in person with experienced traditional and home cooks that will walk you through their national cuisine through hand-picked and delicious dishes you will meet like-minded people that broadly share the same values, at least when it comes to favoring authenticity, supporting local entrepreneurs, and having an open mind and positive attitude towards cultural exchange. Are you following me? We'll return with the second part of this episode after the break. Hello, this is Rebecca from the UK, and I love listening to Pass the Chipotle podcast. 
Hi, my name's Zoe from The Hague in the Netherlands, and I love listening to Pass Chipotle podcast. The production of Pass Chipotle is something I greatly enjoy. And I know you do too, because I read all the comments, emails, and messages you send me. This is a podcast that is free for anyone to listen everywhere in the world. Become a supporter on Patreon, the largest platform that connects creators with great audiences like you. Go to patreon.com forward slash Chipotle podcast and select the type of donation you want to make. Every donation makes a big difference. Go to patreon.com forward slash Chipotle podcast and be part of this delicious story. Mexico's grand fiestas are a unique way to remember and joyously celebrate our history, cultural diversity and ancestral traditions. From the patriotic occasions like Independence Day and the anniversary of the Mexican Revolution, Christmas to Dia de la Candelaria and the world-famous Day of the Dead, these iconic celebrations bring together new and exciting traditions, from the spiritual to the joyous, always welcoming locals and strangers in rewarding and soulful celebrations of life. The Mexican Fiestas issue of Sabor, this is Mexican food magazine, explores the cultural history of the nation's festive calendar through in-depth articles and many traditional recipes to prepare unique dishes like pozole, chiles en hogada, Day of the Dead bread, and many more. To know more about the wonderful articles and experiences to start the making of your own family traditions, go to pasachipotle.com forward slash magazine and get ready to cook, learn, and enjoy Mexican food like you've never imagined. Now, how does the supper club actually work? The main difference to owning a food truck, having a food stall, or selling takeaways is that supper clubs are about selling a dining experience. Think dinner party, but with paying guests. Although every supper club host has their own particular workflow, let me share with you how I run mine. And this is pretty much the best workflow I've come up with, and also how supper clubs in general work. First, you have to choose the venue for your event and the right number of guests you'll be able to sit comfortably and choose one or several dates to offer that experience. Next, you set a booking and payment method. You decide what kind of food you will offer with dishes you are confident cooking. After that, you make a budget according to your menu's ingredients and include all the expenses you'll have to make, such as transport, gas, electricity, decoration, printed welcome cards, etc. And sometimes an extra pair of hands if necessary. Then you set a price for your event. Have a marketing strategy in place. Prepare social media posts. And I would say a one-page document presenting the event with the details of the menu and the occasion. Then you make and follow a logistics plan for your evening. And on the set date and hour, you make sure you have all you need to offer a seamless event. At the end of the night, you will ask your guests to provide reviews and feedback. 
and this is broadly the way supper clubs work. The aim is to create a relaxed dinner party-like experience. For many of your guests, it will be the first time they try the food you are offering. And, like I mentioned before, a supper club is a proxy of a foodie trip. So do share about your culture, food traditions, and what's so special about the dishes that your guests will enjoy at your event. Remember that just because you offer a supper club at your home doesn't mean you have to be over-relaxed about it. This is a business, and you are in it to make some money, so treat it with all the professionalism it requires to succeed. Now, let me share some advice with you. Even when I pride myself of being very organized, I've learned a few lessons along the way. So pay attention to these aspects and I assure you, it will save you time, money, and more importantly, it will avoid stressing out for nothing. Here we go. Nowadays, there are dozens of online platforms that provide a way to advertise, book, manage, and receive payments for your events. Some are it with Eventbrite, Belletto, Design My Night, and Meetup, to mention some. Using a booking service will save you the hassle of collecting money from guests at the end or the beginning of the night. Also, by creating an account and using it regularly on these platforms, you will also build a robust profile and get reviews that will help your business. Finding the right venue I've met so many supper club hosts that have partnered with local cafes, restaurants and similar locations. They rent spaces for a few nights a month, and this is actually a huge help to have all the equipment you need, because you get tables, chairs, toilets, and cooking facilities. But you know, some others really prefer doing smaller supper clubs or even brunches at their homes, because they know their space, they feel comfortable, and that's fine, they don't have to worry about transporting ingredients, and they will ensure a perfect home environment to feel more in control of the situation. So think about these two aspects and make some lists with pros and cons of both scenarios. The menu will break or make your event, so be adventurous with it, but also be realistic. I have offered both fixed menus and a multiple choice with vegan, vegetarian and allergy-friendly options. My advice is to keep it simple. Fixed menus are great, with maybe a couple of dessert and drink options. I found that is far more manageable, especially if it's a large crowd. Now something really important, don't feel forced to cater for all dietary options under the sun, but you have to specify it, and people deserve to know upfront what they are paying for. It is super important to have an attractive, functional and professional looking online presence. Prepare amazing photos of your dishes and obviously serve them as beautifully as you are selling them. Think of what kind of experience you would like to offer. Let's say you want to offer a homestyle menu from your region or country of origin. Or maybe you want a themed experience, say a harvest feast or a Ramadan special a Hanukkah dinner, a St. Patrick's banquet, or a Cinco de Mayo fiesta, you name it. But when you create a menu, be sure you can prepare confidently every item 
and test each and every one of them. Practice, practice, practice. Now, make sure you also enjoy the evening. So take time to look your best, make every guest feel special and looked after. Talk to them. Maybe after dessert is served when you don't have to rush back into the kitchen, that is the perfect moment to mingle and chat. And last but not least, keep track of the lessons learned and never, ever, ever underestimate good planning. Do your prep, rehearse plating, practice an assembly line and preferably have at least one unconditional person to help you. In time, you might need more hands. I know you are a capable cook, but there's no need for you to burn out. You're supposed to enjoy it too, remember? In time, and if your supper club becomes really popular or your menus become more ambitious, you will need more helping hands and that's okay. You don't have to burn out doing it all yourself. Remember to check this episode's description and download your completely free guide to supper clubs. So go get it because there's all the essentials you need to prepare and run your own supper clubs, the legal aspects to consider, extra tips and tricks that will put you on the fast track of becoming a food entrepreneur. So what if you don't feel quite prepared to offer your own supper club? Let me tell you something. I have met interior designers, anthropologists, fine art graduates, therapists, graphic designers, marketing managers, and so many professionals that have successfully run their supper clubs without a golden blue diploma. What they do is they take pride and discipline in their craft and make of a personal passion a very enjoyable and profitable side business. And now some legal aspects to consider for your supper club. In some countries, like in Britain, you need a license to operate. So if you decide to run your own supper club from home, there are procedures you need to follow. And you need to apply to the Food and Standards Agency. That means you will be set up as an independent business, but you will still have to comply with basic health and safety regulations. On the free guide to supper clubs, there are links to these so you can know more about the things you need before you apply. A Google search will also tell you what you need to do in your area and your country, so don't give that a miss. Also try and contact local supper club hosts and ask them for advice on this subject. Although it is great to have a license to operate at home, some people don't feel comfortable with it because they don't have a big enough space or they simply don't want to mix their private life with a business, which is fine. And that's why they opt out to partner up or rent already established venues. And again, I totally recommend doing Google searches with the terms pop-up venues in my area. Don't miss out the chance to present the idea to your local cafes and small restaurants even yoga and artist studios. And one important thing about supper clubs. We all know that great food also pairs wonderfully with amazing drinks. But if you're offering a home-based supper club, you might not qualify to offer or sell alcoholic beverages during your events. Which is why hosts specified that guests have to cater for themselves using the acronym BYOB when they advertise their events. That stands for Bring Your Own Bottles, which is perfectly legal. I myself always provide a list of drinks to pair with my menus. 
But again, many restaurants, cafes and other venues do have these licenses, in which case I really encourage you to corroborate these with the person in charge to make sure you can offer alcoholic drinks. And finally, remember that each supper club is unique in the way that every cook has his or her own style and approach to do it. Bear in mind that this guide is a starting point for you. And in time with enough experience, you will come up with your own method of organizing and running your events. You know you are an amazing cook, all your friends and family keep saying that. So step out of your comfort zone and really go for it. Try it, get some feedback. The worst thing that can happen is that people love it and you want to do it again and again. you have enjoyed this special episode of Pasta Chipotle and although it's not really specifically about Mexican food I really thought it would be useful for you because you my listeners have all sorts of activities and all sorts of business ideas and I thought it would be great to share with you something I do I enjoy and many of my guests also do and enjoy so download my guide research practice Go and visit supper clubs in your area, enjoy them, learn from them, ask the cooks for some ideas, and then start your own. Make great things happen. Look for the link in this episode description and download your free supper cook guide with tips, advice, resources, and all you need to get you started with your own food business. Find it on Amazon and enjoy it in all your mobile devices. Maybe this is the little push you need to get you started on your own path. And let me know how it's working out for you. Thank you for listening. Paz de Chipotle podcast is produced and presented by me, Rocío Carvajal. To know more about this show, go to pazdechipotle.com. If you haven't subscribed yet to my newsletter, you can find the link to do so on this episode description. And you will also get a nice welcome gift. Also, in my newsletter, there is a new section where I personally review books about food and culinary history that I know you will enjoy. So go sign up and get the updates, discounts and awesome titles to add to your collection. The next episode will be about the great Mexican markets, their wonderful past and vibrant present. To find more information about this project, please go to pasachipota.com. The show is also available on YouTube. From the very first episode, find the channel as Pase Chipotle Podcast. Well, that's it for this week, my friends. Until the next time.